0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Mechanics. I'm Katie, and with me, as always, is...
1: Hey, guys, what's going on? It is Jason.
0: And I hope everyone in the States had a great 4th um, of July weekend. It was nice to have some time off for us. Uh, I'm not super patriotic, actually. I'm not unpatriotic, but I'm not overly patriotic. But the 4th of July is always kind of, like, cuckoo crazy for us because... Our oldest hates fireworks. She freaks out about them. It's like a whole weekend of off-schedule happenings. Oof. We're thinking about, at least I think, that we should just travel internationally (laughs) over the 4th of July (laughs) next year.
1: Yeah, uh, because Canada Day is the week before, right? Or two weeks before?
0: Yeah, the beginning.
1: Yeah, so we should be good. We just go to Canada and hide out for a little bit.
0: As long as they're all done. It was just, wow. I'm glad that's over. I also got a gnarly sunburn. You'd think after being the color of paper for as many years as I have been, I would get to use sunscreen on a regular basis, which I did. But here's the thing. When you're standing in the pool, sure, it doesn't seem like a good idea to sunscreen your legs. When you lay in a float, however, your legs do see the sun. And my skin is not friends with the sun. <laughs> In fact, we are old enemies. So let me tell you, sunburning the front of your legs really stinks.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's that's exactly why I stay inside. <laughs> that reason right there.
0: I have also, before, I've sunburnt the back of my legs before. I've sunburnt the bottom of my feet before. Oh, I, you, you think I'd be used to it by now? You would think. I, I'm going to start wearing my sun hat around. There's to it, it's not gonna help my legs, but
1: I mean, if you put them on your legs, it will like you can cut like holes in the top of your sun hat and like put your legs to it
0: uh, again. Then my legs would stick out and they would still see the sun. Oh, that's true, hmm. that's true. I guess we'll have to kibosh that idea. All right, so since we've had a big weekend to rest up, we got lots of stuff to talk about, and actually, so last time I gave this like really heartfelt <sighs> shout out to people who have given us really nice um, reviews and stuff. And I still feel that way. And I said, hey, if you want to be my fickle favorite, you go ahead and um, post. And we had a new member of the Riveted. Not only did she join, but she posted. So all the way from the land down under, Liz Cole, you are my fickle favorite this week. I know she's, I don't know, maybe um, not quite 100 episodes behind. (laughs) So it'll be a long time before she gets to this episode. Um, but this is your shout out. Thanks for being awesome. Thanks for joining our awesome, um, Facebook group. If you haven't joined our Facebook group, we'd love to have you. We just talk about games and have a good time there. Um, and it's, it's all just pretty okay. So, um, hashtag the riveted on Facebook. It's one word. Um, it's real easy to get in and we'd love to have you. And then you might get a shout out if you start posting on my Fickle Favorites,
1: That's true. Katie does love new people in the Riveted, so you keep the you keep joining, she'll keep shouting you out.
0: I do because sometimes like Jason gets to um, like the approvals first, so I don't see them, and then I get real sad. Um, But when I do see them, like ooh, somebody new, and then I get excited to like approve you and find out more about you and Facebook stalk you and you know all that normal stuff.
1: Now you're just making it creepy. Like yeah, it's just getting creepy now.
0: It's totally normal, right? Everybody does that.
1: I don't Facebook stalk anybody. I just click approve and move on with my life.
0: I'm sure everybody has Facebook stalked me. You guys have, right? Actually, maybe you don't care enough to Facebook stalk me. That's okay. I just, you know, like to use what I got available. Anyway, let's talk about some news. So, This week, I've got some really interesting and very wildly different themed games. The first game is a theme that I like. I always think there should be more themes, more games about gangsters, And this one is, it's called Scarface 1920, the OG gangsta. And so this is a really interesting looking game. So you get to be a mob boss in Chicago. So you got the map of, map of Chicago and actually the mob bosses and and the areas and the, a lot of the stuff that happens in the game is based on like true historical things. So this is happening during Prohibition, Chicago. So like late 20s, early 30s. Um, you can be Al Capone. You can be um, Stephanie St. Clair. You can be Arnold Rothstein. You can be... Uh, Dean O'Banion. I thought you
1: were going to say Arnold Schwarzenegger and I was getting excited. doesn't make, make sense to the theme, but I was yeah, still really excited. that
0: makes zero sense. Um, so this is like a really interesting combination of mechanics. So in this game, you've got your mob. You're obviously trying to control a bunch of territory um, and make the most money during Prohibition. So you're going to kind of make a plan and control like your um, like minions. I, they have. I think they have a better name for that. Thugs. Control your thugs. And any other um, like mobsters that you hire, because there are like extra thugs, that you, different specialized types of thugs that you can get. Associates, like hitmen and moonshiners and um, bootleggers and corrupt cops and other and thieves and gamblers um, and like brothel madams and stuff. So you kind of you create a deck almost. So there's some deck building to that, and um, they give you like. Um, kind of muscle, sometimes points, Um, they can give you different actions, they can give you influence in areas. So you use those to take like those cards will give you actions as well as like points of different types to spend on other actions. Um, And then there's worker placement pieces where you're putting thugs out on the board to do different things. So there's like a lot of stuff happening in this game. I watched a playthrough, and I'm like, "Holy crap!" So you're like completing jobs. They're gonna get you stuff, um, and you need certain things to complete the jobs. And sometimes they'll give you long term effects. Sometimes it's a one time effect. Um, you have an asymmetrical player power as a mob boss. You and then there's like this fed track that almost reminds me of um, kind of the suspicion track in um, Black Orchestra. It's so like, the more suspicious kind of activities you do, the more your, like, um, kind of criminal activity points or whatever go up. And so then you've got Elliot Ness and his untouchables that are coming after you. Um, so, like, you have to watch out for that because then there's, like, these news cards and things happen. Um that kind of changed the game too. like, there's a bunch of mechanics all rolled up into one in this game. Like, it's really cool. Because you're also like making businesses, you can make money, you can then go and like and expand your empire, raid other like neighborhoods, take them over, you're um, trying then make it your neighborhood, maybe a little more high class and have a nightclub instead of just like a speakeasy or a casino. Um, There's just a lot of really interesting game mechanics in it. There's also a solo mode for this, um, which I think is cool too. Uh, a lot of good stuff. Now, the bad stuff. It's full of miniatures and they're cool. Like, really, they are. And you've got like little cool cars and they've really detailed like the costumes on the miniatures, even in the way they look. The cars look awesome. You've got barrels of like, you know, bootleg gin. You've got little handguns. Cool. Definitely really cool. Because of that, the price point is high. So, if you're interested in Scarface, you like mobsters, you like area control, deck building, and worker placement, and assorted other things, there's five days left in this Kickstarter. The base pledge is $117.
1: Whoa! I saw you put that on here. I thought that was deluxe.
0: No, no, Whew. that is not not the deluxe. But you have all these miniatures, and like I think there's a little, there's a free expansion that comes with it. Um, it yeah. Uh, yeah, it's $117. There's a bigger, there's a $164 pledge, which gives you sleeves and wooden crates for goods and plastic business markers and stuff. But just like the core game and the unlock stretch goals is $117.
1: This isn't Eagle Griffin, is it?
0: No, it's Redzen. Gosh,
1: the, like. Eagle Griffin's the only other company I've seen that has a hundred over a hundred dollar base game pledge. That is crazy, crazy.
0: Yeah, I mean,
1: I'm like out three times on this one. It sounds amazing. Like this game looks amazing. It, this would be a game I'd probably play and enjoy, but I can't. I can't do that.
0: Yeah, it looks really great, and it looks like it'd be fun. And I, you know, I love a, a good mob theme. Um, but yeah, that's a big price point. But it is, you know, there's there's tons of minis, so. Each mob boss has their own mini. You got your thugs, your like generic thug minis. Then you get like your associate minis. Then you've got a mini for like the leader of the feds, Elliot Ness. Um, then you've got like your car miniatures. You know all those like resources, the guns and the the bootleg stuff. So, I mean, you're paying for the plastic.
1: Yeah, that's crazy.
0: Maybe someday we'll play this game.
1: Maybe, probably not. <laughs> <But> maybe. <laughs> maybe.
0: So my next game also has really awesome bits, really awesome art, but not $117. And this is a completely different theme. This is called Forest of Pangaea. This is a game about like, growing trees and um, being with the forces of nature. And it's just so, so, so pretty. Like it really is so beautiful, really like simple clean art but it also has these great bits so in this game you have seeds um there's also you get little wooden seeds and there's different types of land so you're getting resources which are the different elements so wind um water you know sun all that stuff you're getting those from the land to allow you to get seeds and then from seeds you're going to grow trees and then you can actually make your trees go bigger so you got little extra tree tops and so you're expanding, you're um, moving around trees, making the different heights. In a lot of ways, it reminds me almost of just the bamboo, the gardener portion of Takenoko. So there's a little bit of other things, but you're trying to complete these rituals, which are like those um, kind of gardener spaces in, in Takenoko. So you're like, you want a tree this high um, out this way, and then one that's this high out this way. And you're... You're trying to fulfill four of those. They call them rituals in order to end the game. So it looks like a very casual, relaxed game. And you've got these cute little trees to play with that can go up to like three levels high. These little seeds. And then your player piece is um, like it's called a nature spirit. And it looks like um, I think it's based on like a Japanese nature spirit, which you, if any of you have seen um, Princess Mononoke, it's the big, like antler, many antlered, like deer, in that movie, and it's this really cool um, meeple of that. It's just so pretty. It looks like a light, casual, fun game, and if you like, you know that part of Takinoko and that kind of thing, um, or even I've never played Photosynthesis, but it sounds kind of similar to that. Check out Forest of Pangaya. There's six days left in that Kickstarter, and it's 58 bucks for the base.
1: Yeah, this sounds pretty neat. It's definitely more manageable than Scarface, but I feel like I would like Scarface a little bit more. But
0: well, yes, <laughs> that's true. But it's still fun things to play with. I would lose this game every time because I would just be playing with the trees and making my little deer run around.
1: Yeah, probably.
0: And the last game I want to talk about another wildly different theme. I love. Well, I mean, I guess the forest theme isn't that new, but I like gangsters. This one is about rock climbing. And this game is called First Ascent. First Ascent. Um, And it's by a female game designer, which I think is awesome. So this game is about rock climbing. So there's a two to three player side where you're climbing in a desert. There's a four to five player side where you're climbing in a forest. So you pick um, your climber and there's like different funny like stereotypes of climbers. Like um, one is called like the... A crag mama. So because you're like this mom, you have like a mother's intuition. And so it gives you like a special power, which I think is really cool. They all have unique abilities. Um, there's one that's like the rope the rope guru, the free soloist, the dirt bag who like lives in the <laughs> camper.
1: That's funny. That's a good name.
0: The overstoker, the buff boulderer, the young prodigy, the cool headed crimper. So all these different things. Like you can pick a personality that comes with the power. Then you've got these hexes. Um, They're called pitches. So these hex tiles kind of make up what the rock face is. And so like in order to like climb and go up these places, the pitches, you've got to psych yourself up. So there's like these psych points (laughs) Um, and you might need some water. You might need a certain level of skill and gear that you get from some cards that you have. So you're collecting those cards as well. To help you out, you're achieving these objectives like, oh, you want to plan a route to, you know, go a certain way, like climb three pitches that have an animal or an insect in its name because all the pitches have certain names on them and you're like building up your skills. So like you on your little um, climber personality, you can actually progress as a climber. And so then you climbing more difficult pitches can get easier as you go along. And you can add like different gear and skills that you have that can be used on future um, climbs, which I think is really cool. Um, You're improving your technique, all this stuff, um, and you're building this pathway. So you're using rope. So you've got these little rope pieces. You're building, it's not really a race to the top, but it's about making the best route to the top to get as many points as possible through your gear, through the skills that you're adding, through these objectives, through improving your technique. It looks really cool, like interesting. Like there's lots of different stuff happening here. It's like a, they say it's a medium weight. And I'd say that's true. There's double-sided boards for the player mats. Um, you know, 10 characters with some good boards. Like there's some cool stuff here. Like you got your five little con- climbers and their little ropes. It look, as much as I don't care about rock climbing, this looks fun. So if that appeals to you, um first ascent has five days left on kickstarter and the base pledge is 49 bucks
1: yeah i think you said it's a mountain and a forest that you're climbing up no like right
0: one's a desert scene and the other one's like in a forest
1: oh so but there's mountain mountains on yeah both. it's a
0: rock face either
1: way yeah that that's cool the only games that i've seen like that there's a summit game
0: mm-hmm.
1: that i that i haven't played and then there's that little um Dicey Peaks, like the oh yeah dice game. Like I like the theme of the mountain climbing stuff. I just usually the game Dicey Peaks is fun. It's not the greatest game in the world, but getting like a medium weight rock climbing game could be kind of cool.
0: I know there's like some really interesting looking mechanics in this one. I like that idea of like you're like doing some goal fulfillment. There's some like set collection in some ways with the cards you're picking, but you're really like trying to maximize that point, those points, and make this like strategic route building kind of thing. So. That seems cool. Engine building, resource management, route building, set matching, modular board, all great things. That's First Ascent. Check it out. Yeah, sounds cool. That's all I've got for Kickstarter this week.
1: All right, let's move into some games played. We got some games that we actually did play this week, which is nice. So let's just talk about a few. So the first one is a new hotness game. It's one of the new games that's available at Target. Um, we've played a lot of these new games because our buddy, our buddy bought a lot of them. So. They're
0: had <laughs> a so big sale. He cashed in on it.
1: <laughs> yeah. So this one is Terraforming Mars, Ares Expedition. So I believe this is still from Stronghold and Fricks Games. Same designer as Terraforming Mars, I believe. And I could just be talking out of, out of my butt. I don't really know. But I, I think that's correct. <laughs> but either way, this feels a lot like Terraforming Mars. It just is maybe a more simple version and by simple i mean you don't have to there's not as much stuff you can do on your turn so it's going to kind of streamline a little bit so the way this game works is it's a card game terraforming mars is already a card game so that's kind of dumb but um it's effectively going to mix terraforming mars with race for the galaxy or roll for the galaxy and what that means is each player is going to have five cards in their hand that's going to be like a phase of the game so there's one which is um I can't remember what they are, but one's going to let you play cards. One's going to let you produce goods. One's going to let you play a different color of card. One's going to let you um, take actions. And the fifth one, I can't remember, but there's five different actions you can take. You're going to play down the card of the action that you want to take. Everybody else also gets to take that action. But if you pick it, you also get a bonus action. And only the actions, that the cards that people play down are the things that you're allowed to do in your turn. So if I really want to do action three, I can either try to hope somebody plays action three to do it, or I can play action three myself and be guaranteed to do it. So it's that kind of, that kind of deal. And what you're trying to do, you're still trying to terraform Mars. You're trying to, I think it's Mars or Aries. I don't know. You're trying to terraform it's the planet. Mars. You're trying you're trying to raise the oxygen, um, get some water out in the planet and raise the temperature. So it can be, you can live on it and you're doing that same way. You're going to play cards. You're going to pay mega credits for it. You might have to, It'll give you heat production if you play some cards. It could give you some plants, all that kind of thing. So the normal card play of Terraforming Mars is still in this. It's a little simpler, I think, but it's still in there. So that was a horrible explanation. Just think Terraform. <laughs> Just think Terraforming Mars mixed with Roll or Race for the Galaxy, and that's what this game is. So what did you think of Terraforming Mars Ares Expedition in the first play?
0: Um, it was okay. It was okay. Um,
1: yeah, that's kind of how I feel too.
0: Like. What I didn't like about this is you couldn't... You weren't really terraforming the planet like you are in the the original game. You can only flip over, like, the ocean tiles. So, like, you don't... You're not really adding the forest down there. You're not building, like, like settlements and trying to get them around certain things. Um, I feel like you're really confined in your card play. There are certain things I like um, about, like... I, I feel like the generating of resources and the keeping track of those is much simpler in this one. And I like that. Uh, I guess maybe if I'd never played the base game, I would like this one a lot. If you wanted to give people a taste and say, okay, are they going to hate terraforming Mars or not? You could start the, start with this one. Um, but I, it definitely left me wanting to play the actual original game, personally.
1: Yeah, that's that's kind of how I feel too. I, I understand the appeal of that picking a card for the action you want to take i understand that i just don't like it
0: i don't like the mechanism either that's yeah. also in um the other game that i really don't like
1: roll for the galaxy
0: yeah i hate that game i don't care i know some of you like it you're wrong the game sucks <laughs>
1: i just <laughs> i mean i don't want to go all there but <laughs> i mean i do like i just and i understand it's supposed to make the game tighter and you know yes if you if you really want to do something you need to play the card but but I mean, like, I let me take
0: my actions. And if I can't do some of the actions, that's on me. But if I right. can do those actions, why shouldn't they just be all phases of the turn? And right. we-
1: yeah, that's the tough part is you, ha- I want to do all five things. And, you know, if everybody plays the same card, you're going to play do one thing that whole entire turn. And that, I don't know, that, that's not as fun to me as on Terraforming Mars. I can do whatever I want. Right. The two actions that I want to do on my turn, I can do them. And I can keep going until I run out of money. <laughs> so right. I, I, so as long know. as
0: you have resources and money, then that's what I like about Terraforming Mars. I can just do what I want to do and figure it out. Um, I felt like I liked that there was a, more freak, a way to generate um, goods and money like more frequently in this game. Because I find that that's really difficult in Terraforming Mars.
1: That's true. It was a little bit nicer on the resource front. That's but
0: I guess that's a trade-off just for what I didn't like about it. So it's okay. It's not bad. It's a good way to dis- to get into Terraforming Mars, see if you will like a game like that. Yeah, sure. Um, I would not go from the full game back to this one, in my personal opinion.
1: Yeah, I've, I've watched some reviews, and people said that they're probably never going to play Terraforming Mars again because of this, and I find that what? really hard to believe. I find that hard to believe.
0: That means you didn't like Terraforming Mars in the first place. That's my opinion.
1: Like, if you've never played Terraforming Mars, or you've never played Race for the Galaxy, or a lot of games... I could, I'd say get this for sure. Right. This is going to be a good time. It's going to be fun. You're going to have a great time playing this game. But if you have Terraforming Mars and you have Race or Roll for the Galaxy, I don't really feel like you need this game because it's those two games mashed up in one. So, I, yeah, I don't know. Agreed. I mean, I didn't hate it. I, I liked the game. It's just I don't see the need to play it anymore since we have Terraforming Mars.
0: No, it was much better than Roll for the Galaxy. That's for sure. If I had to choose between the two, absolutely. This yeah, Ares I might, Expedition.
1: I might actually say that as well because I like the Terraforming Mars core mechanisms like the card play and all that stuff i like that a little bit better i think yes all right so the next game we played is we're gonna go back to 1990 something (laughs) Mm. and this is a an old i think it's parker brothers or milton bradley or something and this game is called batman gotham city mystery
0: i actually think this is made by mattel
1: Oh, that, that could be right. I don't know. It's made by one of those three, not Hasbro. So <laughs> one of the ones that's not Hasbro. And what this game is, is it is kind of a hidden identity, one versus everybody game. So basically, one person is going to take on the role of a, a villain in the Batman universe. So you have Ra's al Ghul, Mr. Freeze, Joker, Riddler, Poison Ivy, all those people, Catwoman, whoever you want to be. And everybody else is going to take on one of the good guys. So you have Batwing, Batgirl or Nightwing, Nightwing, Batgirl, Batman, and Robin. And what you're trying to do if you're the villain is you're trying to go to these different locations by rolling a die. So it's a roll and move game because that's what they did in the 90s.
0: This came out in 2003, by the way.
1: Oh, it feels like it came out in the
0: 90s. (laughs) (laughs) And I was right about Mattel, so.
1: Okay, so if you're the villain, if you're the villain or the superheroes, you're going to roll your die, and that's how many you can move your guy or your, your character. Then if you're the villain, what you're trying to do is you're trying to get into these different buildings and collect items that's on this card that you have in front of you there's 10 different items that you're trying to steal your goal is to steal all of the items and to steal all 10 of those items before the villains can figure or the good guys can figure out who you are and the way that the good guys figure out who you are is the coolest thing in my opinion of this game and you can take if you arrest one of the henchmen or the minions whatever they are you can take the good that they're carrying in their backpack and you can put it in this cool like back computer thing What's going to happen is you're going to slide the the piece down in this computer and it's going to have a colored highlight of the characters that wants this item. So the more items you're going to steal, you're going to start figuring out which character the villain is playing because sometimes only the, the person that you think it is, they might not need this item. So you're trying to go all the way across the back computer to see where there's a solid yellow line of items to figure out who they are. And the good guys need to figure out who the villain is before the villain steals the 10 items. There's a little bit more to it. There's some special power cards you can play, but that's effectively it. You're rolling, trying to collect items if you're the bad guy. Good guys trying to arrest the villains, figure out who they are. So I think you like this one maybe. So I'll let you talk about this one.
0: Yeah, I played the villains. I still don't know how to use the bat computer. I'm looking at a picture of it right now, and I still don't get it. Um, how I figure that out. So it's a good thing I played the villains. Um yeah, the rules aren't quite clear on a lot of things.
1: No, they're terrible. They're terrible rules.
0: Uh, so I'm I'm not really sure we played it correctly on many different points. Um, but I I thought it was pretty fun because really the superheroes have a lot um a a lot of advantages as far as the cards they can use to like move the Batmobile or the bat plane or whatever which it probably would have been better if I understood what their different cards special powers did so I could try to avoid that because but I didn't um also would help if I understood that on my villain card the things I needed to steal were in certain colors and I could go to the building <laughs> that had that color and that I thought floor- you saw
1: that so that's why I didn't say anything
0: I'm an idiot so of course I didn't <laughs> see that I may mean, have saw it but I didn't like Put two and two together. So I might have actually won this game if I had done that properly.
1: You probably would have, actually, because we were being pretty terrible.
0: You were pretty bad. The best thing about this, what I loved about this, and the even, most annoying part, you mean? No, the awesome part. And even though I didn't win, <laughs> it was the best part. Is not only are there like actual items to steal at the different locations, but there are also like these red herring items that are like empty cardboard boxes. So you can go to one. And since I wasn't paying attention to my colors, I went to several places that didn't have anything I needed, but they did have cardboard boxes. So you can like put them in your your thug's backpack and then I would kind of leave them sort of close to... To where like one of the heroes were, so they would think, "Oh man, we got this. We got this bad guy. Yeah, we'll go get it." And I'm like, "Hee hee!" So when every time they turned over and they found out that the thug was only carrying empty box, I just had an evil maniacal laugh, and it was like the best thing ever. <laughs> it made me feel so good every time, and I did it like seven times. So it, it felt was awesome. a ton.
1: Yeah, we had three clues forever to try to figure out who you were, and we kept busting these people. There were like seven or eight. Red herring cards. It was getting really
0: old. <laughs> it never got old. It never got old. So I, I like it. now <laughs> I kind of figured out how to play. I would like to play it again. I'd like us maybe just to solidify some rules, either as far as house rules go or something. To kind of make it a little more clear. Um, but, I, you know, I think it's a fun little, like, game to just play it's a little more than a roll and move so there's a little bit of extra stuff happening and the back computer does look really cool i just don't understand how to use it at the moment
1: yeah i think before i ever play this again i mean i'm sure i'll play it with the girls or something at the least but i definitely want to go through the rules and probably just rewrite them to make them just at least play how i think they're supposed to play <laughs> right in a <laughs> way that makes yeah. sense yeah, they're bad. But yeah, I enjoyed this game. It's it's a silly game. Like, it's not a great game by any means. It's probably not even a good game. But it was fun. Like, I, I thought it was fun getting hosed over by the villain. It was, it was fun. <laughs> yeah. And that, that's what a game's supposed to be. It's supposed to be fun. And a lot of these older games, they're not good. But you have a good time playing them.
0: Yeah. And I really loved, um, like, I was Poison Ivy. So like picking your bad guy and like, oh, that's really fun to me. So it was a good time.
1: And the last game we played is a game that I've actually done a video for. So you can go check out our YouTube channel for that if you would like. And it is called Die of the Dead. So I have played this game, I don't know, three or four times, but this was Katie's first time playing it. And what you're doing in this is you are taking on the role of like a different family during the Day of the Dead celebration. And you're trying to get one of your soul's up the Magnolia Stairs. Is that right? I believe. Marigold Stairs?
0: Yeah, I don't I don't think it's Magnolia.
1: Yeah, Marigold Stairs, To so they can get back to the land of the living. And the way that you're doing that is, it's effectively like a, a Yahtzee dice rolling game, sort of. You're trying to get your dice in these four different coffins, and each of the coffins is going to have a special ability, and you're trying to get your... More of your dice into Coffin Number Four, which is the coffin that lets you ascend the stairs, than everybody else. But there's some dice where you can roll, and if people have duplicate numbers, they'll get booted out. There's uh, a co- the first coffin is always open. That's how you're going to kind of be able to remember which coffins have what dice in them as it moves down the line. There are four different special powers that you can use that are going to take place during certain parts of the game, but. In essence, this game is about putting dice in the coffins, shaking them, and seeing what happens. So it's it's purely like a lucky game. You can try to negate it by putting dice in different places and using the special ability, but you're still at the mercy of the roll. So since this was your first play, what did you feel about this game?
0: I actually really liked it, and I didn't think I would. Like, it looks cool. I like that aesthetic. Um, I like the... Dia de Muertos aesthetic, the look of it, the sugar skulls and the marigolds, like in those bright colors. Um, And this comes with like cool coffins that act as like dice cups and dice trays, which I think is a really neat thing. Um, But I also, I found that there was a lot of kind of strategy to this, despite the fact that it, you are at the mercy of the rolls, but you can get these different offerings like from for the ofrenda that you can use to give you special powers to kind of manipulate coffins to where you want them to be, to add more dice to the coffins that are getting rolled, um, to kind of increase your chances. And just remembering because there's only one co- coffin that's open and the other three are closed. So remembering where your dice are and you, there's only one of the coffins That will actually let you ascend on the stairs. So you're trying to get the coffin with your stuff to that one particular spot. Um, and how you do that, the manipulation of and certain things, you know, cause the coffins to move and shuffle around, and you can cause them to move and shuffle around with like these special tokens. That is really cool. Like I actually I enjoyed this way more than I thought I would. Um, and a lot of people love dice games, so I think we should be playing this more often. I enjoyed it a lot.
1: Yeah, I the Another thing I think that makes this thing a little bit more fun, I guess, the production is amazing. Like the coffins are cool. The stairs are completely unnecessary, but they look awesome. And it's cool to put your dice on each step and try to ascend. Not necessary. It could be a track or whatever, but it looks awesome. So yeah, I I enjoy this game. It's not my favorite dice game, but the production definitely bumps it up a little bit higher and probably makes more people want to play it because it looks cool.
0: It's true. I do want to play it because it looks cool and it feels cool.
1: Yep. All right. So that is the games we played. Let's get into the feature.
0: All right. So our topic today is something that we usually don't deal with. Um, it is huge. It is a problem. We have brought this up in other episodes about things that annoy us about the board gaming like industry and like hobby, and that is FOMO. If you don't know, FOMO is fear of missing out. FOMO can be pretty rampant in the board game community um part of that is due to kickstarters exclusives games going out of print um the growing nostalgic. I don't know why it exists but it does and it's real bad in the hobby um for Jason and I we generally don't deal with FOMO because um Jason said cheapskate and so we won't pay for anything new <laughs> and um there's so many games out there that we really just don't get caught up in that fear of missing out on something new and this generally happens with new things it's not even as much experiences um although that i have more of not being at like a con like never going to eschen spiel my entire life maybe you know that would be really sad But for some people, FOMO is real. And I think the pandemic kind of brought a lot of that to the surface um, because we weren't out playing games with people. Everyone is at home. And so they're looking at the games coming out of Kickstarter and they're looking at these things that they want to have. And now that things are slowly kind of coming back to some sense of normalcy. I think there's capitalization happening for FOMO and Kickstarter is getting more expensive. Shipping is gonna be more expensive. There's all kinds of things happening. And so we see this as a problem for other people and we wanna help you. We wanna help you combat that FOMO. So it will not take you down, make you depressed, drag you into his clutches. And next thing you know, you're under a pile of Kickstarters that you've never opened and you're you're destitute and your wife has left you. And you're covered in cheese puffs with a can of moon mist and nothing else hey, in your life.
1: this is not just a guy problem, okay? <laughs> okay? You said wife. I'm sure there could be some women who are into this, too.
0: Well, my wife could leave me, too. I mean. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I guess that's true. So, yeah.
0: we have some, I don't, I don't know how good this advice is, but you know it's only pretty okay if we're coming at you. So, here's some ways we think that maybe might help you deal with your FOMO before it becomes a problem. And we have to get out the intervention banner. So um, where do you want to start?
1: The thing that I think would help for some FOMO... FOMO is not a thing that I struggle with. It's not like a personality trait of mine. It's just not something that I really care about. I'll play old and busted games, whatever. But one of the things that I think would help, if you're really into Kickstarter and you really feel like you need to have all the new games that are coming out, maybe share the cost of Kickstarters with a buddy or a friend or... A gaming group or something and that could be happen one of two ways you could either say hey let's get this um what's that scarface 1920 game mm-hmm. i'll pay half of it you pay half of it or maybe i'll back scarface you're gonna back the next six because i back scarface <laughs> that kind of thing right so kind of do something like that where yes you still are going to get to play all the new games but you're not going to get to own all the new games and i think that's okay like we have our friend chris he backs a lot of stuff he buys a lot of new games we get to play them, but we don't necessarily have to own them all. So I think playing the games is, in my opinion, is what it's all about. But I know there are people who like to collect. We have a collection, too, so I'm not trying to, you know, <laughs> say that the collection is not
0: We're not holier not than thou. We know. Yeah, right.
1: I'm just saying, I think some people just buy the games because they feel like they need to have them on their shelves or, you know, they're afraid of, well, FOMO, they're afraid they're never going to be able to buy it. But to me, I just rather would play the game. So if my friend buys the game and I can play it, that's a win for me. So maybe try to figure out a way to cut some costs on Kickstarters, share share it with friends, gaming groups, whatever you got to do to get the games, but maybe not own all of them.
0: Right. And I think another thing about Kickstarter, and honestly, I never really looked at it until I started doing the podcast because I thought, huh, maybe I should pay attention to news. Um, but sometimes, especially when like, Kickstarter is hot and heavy, you might need to take a Kickstarter timeout. It, it's so easy to get sucked in and look at all this stuff. And you're like, oh, man, like I saw these dice that are like oversized and they had teddy bears inside. And I'm like, dude, those are really cool. Do I need dice with teddy bears? Absolutely not. But I'm like, wow, well, but that wouldn't be cool to have dice with teddy bears. And like, am I ever going to be able to find this anywhere else? No, probably not. Or even all these different games like, gosh, I would never have known about Scarface 1920 if I wasn't regularly surfing Kickstarter. And now I've seen it and now I watched how to play it. And now I'm like, I really want that game and we're probably never going to get it. And that's a really good game. And I'm really pouty about it. Maybe I just need to take a Kickstarter timeout and not peruse through Kickstarter because you could get, I could get sucked in there for hours. I mean, and not just tabletop games, all kinds of stuff on Kickstarter. Um, And so sometimes you just need to say, okay, I need to take a break. Or um, I, again, follow a bunch of board game groups on Facebook. Sometimes you need to take a step back and say, you know what? I don't care what the Funkhousers are doing. I don't need to see the games they have. Or even YouTube, like Man vs. Meeple, looking at games that are coming out in three years from now. I want those games. Why do they have those games and I don't have those games? How come Boring gets to review those games and I don't?
1: Yeah uh i mean i agree diving into kickstarter is a whole world of trouble you're just asking for trouble um there's so many games that (laughs) it's ignorance is bliss when it comes to kickstarter sometimes if i don't know it's on there i'm not going to miss it i'll just wait till somebody does a review of it and it's out and at a game store and I can check it out. Right,
0: and again, yeah, I, that- I, again, I'm not saying the Kickstarter is bad or whatever. But again, if you're having issues with FOMO, so this is like, you know, if you're you're an alcoholic, you don't want to go and regularly, you know, walk around a liquor store and just stare at them. So
1: it's probably not recommended. Yes.
0: Right. Take a Kickstarter <laughs> timeout. That that would be my little piece of advice.
1: Yeah. I also think sometimes uh, to go along with that and then, you know, all these things kind of go together. But maybe just go to a con or go to your game store and see if they have some demo copies. Because sometimes for the Kickstarter campaign, for like the promotional copies, they'll send games out to different places. And you can go check it out. I know there was one that I was looking at to try to get a review copy of. And they sent it to one of the game stores in by our area, about an hour away. And they were saying, hey, if you want to go check it out, you can drive over there and play it. So, yes, that's a little more inconvenient. But it would still let you play the game without having to maybe physically actually buy it. So take it out at the con game store. Maybe it'll help you scratch the itch a little bit.
0: Well, and also like for us, we mentioned our friend, Chris, who likes to buy new games. And, you know, that's like his really his big hobby. Um, and we have other friends that, you know, maybe they don't have kids or whatever. They've got extra funds. I'm not judging how you spend your money. OK, but there are people like we're allocating our money to other things. And so they have money to go into games. And so. It's nice when you have a friend who gets the new games and say, hey, did you see this new game? Did you pick that up? I'd love to try it. Can we get together and play it? Or maybe you will have a friend who reviews games that gets games like we don't get anything, you know, real exciting, but
1: sometimes, sometimes,
0: sometimes, I mean, we're no MVM getting stuff, you know, 10 years in advance, but
1: that's true. No (laughs) one's that. No one gets that.
0: If you happen to know a reviewer or if you know maybe there's a prototype group close or someone that, um, oh, what's the name of the people? I think they like test play for S- Jamie. Um, shoot. Um, Champions? Yeah. Whatever. Super secret ninjas. Whatever Jamie has. Um, <laughs> you might know one of those. So if you know that someone, you know, is one of Jamie's super secret ninjas, you can say, hey, could I play with you? I'm not going to say boo about it. I just kind of want to know about new games. And that can kind of scratch that itch for something new. You don't have to own it, but then maybe you still get to, you know, interact with it, be in the same room with it as a way to kind of overcome some of that FOMO.
1: Yeah. And to go along with that a little bit, um, our friends at the board game rundown, sometimes I think they're, they may not host it, but there's a proto spiel over by them where people yes. are going to be taking those prototypes and you can go play them till your little heart's content. Play all these games that no one's ever heard of. They might not even have final artwork, but you're going to get to play them first before anybody else, which is pretty cool.
0: And they have a room like that, I know, at least at Origins.
1: Yeah, there's one at Origins, yeah. Where
0: people bring their prototypes in, and you can go play test and like help people out. We also went to, um, isn't there a place called Proto Bar? Down in Dayton that had a board game night. And I played uh, a random prototype of a card game with some people because people could bring their prototypes oh, yeah. there. yeah.
1: That unicorn meets, like, pirates or something. (laughs) I have
0: no idea. I can't even remember the game now, but I did play it.
1: I remember that. Yeah. I didn't play it, but I saw you play it.
0: (laughs) Well, of course, because you're like, ooh, strangers, run away. I'm like, oh, I'll get sucked into your world, whatever.
1: I was running away playing real games. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, also, like, not even playing new games. Like, you could go find a game, maybe an older version of a new game. So, you know, if you wanted to play... This is a terrible example because this game was really hard to find. Maybe you wanted to play Rococo and you didn't want to pay $150 for the new version. You could go on Board Game Marketplace or BGG or Amazon or eBay and try to find an old busted version, meaning the first edition version, and play that so you can kind of feel how the game works. See if it's something that you'd want to actually spend your money on or if that old version is fine. Um, Because a lot of the times, the newer versions are going to have... Maybe a little few rules tweaks, but they're basically just going to have like a graphic design and art overhaul, which, yes, looks nice. But no matter what Katie says, it's (laughs) not crucial to playing the game. The (laughs) gameplay still is the same for the most part. There are some differences sometimes, but usually you can find those rules on BGG and you can just implement those new rules with the old version of the game. So it's not exactly the, you know, what you want, but it could maybe hold you over. And it could still let you play the game that you want to play without having to spend all that money.
0: But the new ones are so pretty, and that makes you want to play them more.
1: I'm not disagreeing with you that that new Rococo looks amazing, since we're going to use that example.
0: It but, has a track, a points track. <laughs> that, I want that points track.
1: That's true. That is nice.
0: And <laughs> the shaped, like, shaped, like, thread and fabric.
1: It's not necessary to play the game. That's all I'm saying. It's, it's not. It's necessary for me. Well... You're bougie, and everybody's not as bougie. As it's
0: you. my FOMO. Um, that that is the one thing that's hard for me. That's the one FOMO. When they come out with something that's new and pretty, and it's got all the fun bits. Actually, my FOMO is deluxe editions, because we, even if we do back a Kickstarter, which is rare, Jason will never back the deluxe edition because it's more money for what he considers to be unnecessary. And I consider all those fun, little, pretty pieces to be necessary. Um, So that is the hard part for me for FOMO. Um, But I think another way to kind of combat that is I've taken some of my old games and gotten cool, upgraded bits for them. So I've kind of made my own deluxe edition, like through the help of a lot of you lovely riveted members, um, you've sent me really cool stuff. Um, my Castles of Mad King Ludwig has the awesome, like this awesome 3D print insert. Um, my Grand Oster Hotel, thank you, Mike Picorni, um, has all the cool little cake bits and um, wine bottles. And, you know, that has kind of helped me deal with my deluxe edition FOMO because that's the one thing that really hits me. Um, but for us, that's something that we like to do to combat it. And that's kind of, I don't know, another tip on how to get board games on a budget. When they're going to release a new edition or do a reprint, we'll start looking for the old and busted copies, man. Because clearly we like ugly old games.
1: Yeah. And I mean, probably also there are so many other games that may kind of play like the game that you're looking at. Right. maybe you could go play one of those. So, you know, if there's a worker placement game on Kickstarter, but it has a bunch of minis and stuff, maybe go play another worker placement game. Yes, it's not the same. I understand. None of these things are perfect substitutions. I get that. But it could still hold you over. Like, if there's a a shiny new Viking game, but you don't want to pay for it, go play Champions of Midgard. It has a cool Viking theme. So maybe you could play a game with a similar theme, similar mechanisms, similar minis, like some game that kind of fits in the same vein of the game that you're looking at. It could help.
0: And and really, that's the issue is like, we there are lots of new games that come out that we really like and really want. And so it's just kind of, well, let's wait until we can find it retail, or we can find a used copy, or we can see if someone else might get it or maybe get it on a trade. Um, so really, it's about it's not about saying, Oh, I never want a new game, or I never want to go after something new. But I don't need to fear that I'm going to miss out on it. Because eventually it's going to resurface. If not very recently, maybe later, on shopgoodwill.com Twenty years from now, you'll be able to that's pick it true. up.
1: That's true. That's like a a cheapskate's board mine, gold mine right there.
0: So your it's your gold mine,
1: not just mine. I've seen some people. <laughs> some of those games get bit up pretty high.
0: I know. I I want th- that compatibility game. I want that, and I want a copy of Dream Phone. Dang it!
1: Dream Phone is one of those games that gets bit up pretty high.
0: I know. It's so fun. I used to play it all the time. I mean, I got more madness. So
1: that's true. <sighs> what am I? Comp- that's cl- it's close. I mean, I know they're not the same game, but that's still a good time.
0: <laughs> so finally, I want to close out with kind of words of wisdom from pretty much everyone's mom. So, you know, when you're out at the store and you see something or like you're at the grocery store and you're like, "Ooh, mom, like, let's get cookies. Or it's like, oh, this is my kids, my youngest kid, especially. She's like, let's go to Red Lobster for lunch. I want shrimp. <laughs> my mom. This is my kid. And also when I was a kid, I'm sure I did this too because she is just like me. My mom would say, we're not going to eat out. We got food at home. It's the same with games. You don't got to buy that new one. You got games at home. Most of us have a lot of games at home. Um, Most of us have a shelf of shame which I think is a silly thing. The shelf of opportunity is a much better way to say it. There is no shame in having games that you haven't played unless you got a FOMO problem and you're still buying, you're still like, don't want to miss out. So you're grabbing every game possible and like freaking out when you've got games that are sitting there waiting to be played, wanting to become a part of your board game repertoire. So yeah, yeah. whenever I think, oh my gosh, like, oh, look at all these cool Kickstarter games. I'm like, okay, let's go to the board. For us, it's the board of eligibility. And I'm like, okay, let's play a game off of here. Because to me, it's a new game. It's a game I've never played. It's a game I'm actually missing out on. Um, so I should go ahead and play it. And that gives me something else to look forward to, something new um, or a friend's collection at looking for something new there. I know there are libraries also that loan out games sometimes. So there are games at home that you can go play and don't have to worry about something new.
1: Yeah, I'm- This is kind of a sad story, but the Dice Tower put up a video where there was a guy who donated. He passed away, and he donated. I don't know if he donated, but the Dice Tower bought it. But there was like 50, 60, to 70 boxes full of games. There were Kickstarter pledges that had never been opened in the box. There were multiple copies of brand new and shrink games that he never got to play. He never opened, didn't get them out of the box that they were shipped to him in. It's just that kind of thing that you have the game, you want to play it. So FOMO can can lead to that type of thing where you're just buying everything and you know you're never going to have a chance to play it. And or next maybe thing you don't know, know.
0: you're dead. Or maybe you don't know, and your yeah. kids are selling your stuff off. <laughs> and what do you have to show for it? No. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's it's tragic. So don't be that. Don't don't be like that. Just get games, play, and have fun. That that's what it's about.
0: Yeah. So really, on a happy note, um, carpe diem. So don't worry about missing out, but seize the stuff that you have. Try out some new things. Collaborate with the board game community to try out new games, to find games that are new to you. And eventually those other brand new spanking games that you're so afraid of missing out on, they'll come around. Or like the board game rundown says, they may say it's Kickstarter exclusive, and yet the company sells that Kickstarter exclusive (laughs) on some... Big box website.
1: Yeah, just give it five minutes. <laughs> just just give it five minutes.
0: Um, so anyway, this is not to say don't buy new games, don't follow Kickstarter, nothing like that. It's just if you find that it's becoming a problem, you're like, oh, I'm missing out on all this stuff. How am I going to? Buy this new Kickstarter. How am I going to spend $117 for Scarface 1920, which I'm determined to do? Um, I know.
1: That's giving me some FOMO. Right there.
0: <laughs> it is. Um, <laughs> we're going to have to go play The Godfather and try and, you know, deal with it for yep. now.
1: Yep. I agree. Because, yeah, that that theme is cool and that game looks really good. But, yeah.
0: I don't know if this is a good topic or not. I don't know. I just thought it was interesting to talk about.
1: I mean pretty okay that's all i gotta say
0: (laughs) that's right so if you have any tips on how to deal with fomo or if you think we're completely out of our mind tell us go to our facebook page um we always post our episode there so there's a good post to comment on or like i mentioned at the top go to hashtag the riveted join our facebook group we got awesome people i love them all there you're all my fickle favorites at one time or another so come post tell us How you're dealing with FOMO, how you're not dealing with FOMO, if you think FOMO isn't real, I don't know. Or Instagram, Twitter, and even YouTube. We're at all those places. And you can talk about things other than than our podcast topic. If you have potential podcast topics, because you're like, man, these guys were pretty okay and now they're really scraping the barrel, give us those on any of our media platforms. Slip into our DMs if you want. I don't care. Um, We're happy to hear from you guys. That's the reason why we did this podcast. It's obviously not because we're talented at it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we kissed that that dream goodbye a long time ago.
0: Long time ago.
1: Uh, and as always, check out our friends over at the Board Game Rundown. They have a cool video series that they do weekly topics, games played, news, all that type of stuff. They're as good as we are, with the exception of Dan. He might be a little worse, but they're 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 pretty okay as well. I'll give them the pretty okay monitor today. I'll do Ooh. it. I'm gonna I'm gonna bestow that upon them. And now they're in the club. The pretty okay club.
0: You're feeling generous. I think they're just okay.
1: <laughs> yeah. They I'm, would I'm be pretty sure okay if they would
0: ditch Dan, but he keeps showing back up, so <laughs> Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's true. Maybe they're just like less than pretty okay. I I don't know. He's bring down I, the average. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: All right. I think that's it for this episode. Thank you guys for listening. Um And hit us up on any of our social media platforms because we love to hear from you. I agree. All right. Well, I've been Katie.
1: And I'm Jason.
0: Keep gaming, everybody.
1: Keep gaming.
0: the story is keep gaming